you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This might be your first episode of the new year. Episode number 301. Reasonable Gun Laws. Happy New Year. I had a real good time on the last episode, even though I had some technical difficulties. There's some silent spots in that episode that um, there was some music there. But hey, you gave me a mulligan on that one, so I appreciate it. I'm hoping you're still on vacation, still enjoying your family, still enjoying all your gifts and toys and goodies and stuff. And I'm going to share what I got this year. Well, at least for Christmas, I bought myself anyway. And hopefully nobody accused you of anything. Before you accuse me, take a look at yourself. It's been my money for the women We've been taking money from someone else I called your mama About three or four nights ago I called your mama About three or four nights ago Well, your mother said, son don't call my daughter no more Before you please me Take the look at yourself Media Group presents the Urban Shooter Podcast, the pro-gun variety show featuring the black man with a gun, Reverend Ken Blanchard. The show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com, Nova Armament Gun Shop, and BuyerBarrels.com. Happy New Year to everybody. Shout out to members of the Freedoms Network. Podcasters like Gunfighter Cast and Road Gunner Podcast. And Modern Self-Protection and even Guns and Politics Podcast. If you want to reach me, you can toll free at 888-675-0202. Email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. This week, we're going to talk about some gun rights, about assault rifles and reasonable gun laws, the Emancipation Proclamation, maybe, and even about a 22 conversion kit I bought for my life. All of this and more coming up after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance. of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah to all the urban shooters. This is Rob Morse and I hope you spend the holidays with friends and family you love. Um, Ken? 
Do you have any more of that uh, eggnog back there? I do, man. And I'm about to get toe up at the end of this thing. So stick around and we'll share a little eggnog. Thanks, Rob. The other day, I had a Georgetown professor nicely, calmly, while exchanging pleasantries about the season, ask me, why the gun enthusiasts kill a whole bunch of innocent people before they take their own lives? You know, there was a person way down deep inside that wanted to say something really nasty. I said, you got it all wrong. And I wish folks that accused me of murder would just stop. It's just wrong to label a law-abiding citizen that owns a firearm anything other than being an American. Being a gun enthusiast does not make me a killer, and you are wrong if you put me in the same boat as a diseased, broken person It takes the life of innocent people. The term yo mama came to my mind, but that wasn't nice, right? I wish people that cry and parrot the term reasonable gun laws knew that what they are asking for is not what they want. What they want is confiscation. What they want is prohibition. Don't believe me? Look up the word reasonable for yourself. Reasonable. Reasonable is synonymous with moderate, not exceeding the limit prescribed, and agreeable. That's reasonable. We already have reasonable gun laws. Already do. If it wasn't reasonable, then I could go into a store right now and buy a saw. An AK-47, a Dragonoff sniper rifle, and walk out with it. If I had the money, I could buy it. But what reason has happened is that the states and the federal government have put in laws in effect that each state is different, that there are waiting periods. Prices have been raised so that mechanical devices that only have about maybe $40 worth of parts, cost 4000 Would the head of any anti-rights group or even the billionaire mayor himself ever be agreeable with Americans that believe that the right to keep and bear arms is an individual right, that they have the right to protect their families or themselves regardless of the location in the United States? I don't think so either. So it's not reasonable. It's not moderation. For all my brothers and sisters who are going through a tough time and they say, maybe we should give them something. We should compromise. No. You don't compromise when you're already right. You don't compromise truth. See, Americans, regardless of how we think on the gun issue, all want to live in peace. We all are against violence. Gun owners are so against violence that they have surrendered more than reasonable personal information and data to the government to comply with the individual and strict gun laws in the states they reside in not to become a victim. You know, in some states, a law-abiding person is subjected to the same intrusions on his or her freedom as a criminal, as a moderate and agreeable process to own, buy, or transfer a firearm. Criminals don't get permission to buy guns. Criminals do not wait for background checks or approval from the FBI before receiving their firearms. Sick and mentally ill people bent on destruction do not buy guns at gun shows through proverbial loopholes. There is no loophole. Each state has its own laws that we, the law body, have allowed to reasonably restrict our purchase. 
after the tragic murder of the beautiful little children in Newtown, Connecticut, the gunphobic and the itinerant prohibitionists are using our collective grief for an opportunity to get some camera time, raise some money, and get ahead. Gun owners, please stop the madness. Do not fight amongst yourselves. Do not argue with what you hear. Do not argue on points. Sometimes you don't have to fight. Stupid is as stupid does. Please understand that all law-abiding gun-owning Americans are deeply saddened also by the horrific events that continue to happen. Craziness is just going to keep on going. It's not new either. And it's the main reason we arm ourselves. In addition to learning about the firearms we own, we have learned our history, and some of us have become students of human behavior. We know that criminals prefer unarmed victims. We know that broken people and criminals don't obey gun laws. We know we are responsible for our lives and that of our families. We know that the police have no legal authority to go into harm's way to protect us. We realize that politicians lie. We know that there's no reasonable, or what is reasonable to some is a precursor to confiscation for the rest of us. So please don't tell me what I don't need. I'm just trying to believe I'm still in America. If you're not a gun owner, you probably don't see why anybody would want a firearm. It just doesn't make any sense to you. And that's where the argument is right there. That's where it stops. You don't understand. If you watch Westerns and you got really into the revolvers of the bad guys and the good guys, the lever actions of that period, you might want to collect a firearm that your hero had. You might want to see if you could actually shoot as accurately and as fast as it. It becomes your hobby. So you collect. You, you find. You look for that. If you are a former security personnel, you're a law enforcement you probably have a firearm close to the one that you have on the job so that you can practice. Or maybe you found out that you had a talent for it, so you want to buy one. If you are former military and you just got separated from active duty and you've used an AR-style firearm, you want one to continue because there are sports that use AR-style rifles. An assault weapon is a cosmetic term. What's able to be purchased in the gun shop down the street is a semi-auto version of the same firearm. At best. Some states don't even allow you to have anything close to it. See, back in the day, back when our grandparents had that old M1 Garand or the Mini-14, or they had whatever they had from their era, whatever war it was, it was the same thing. They customized it and made the old war gun their hunting gun. That's all is happening today. Today, you have a younger generation. Guns have changed to modern sporting rifles. They're a lighter. They may look scarier to some people but they're the gun that worked in the sand they're the gun that worked in the water and if you were to take that same firearm and use it to hunt with it has a purpose if you take that same gun and use for competition so you couldn't compete you were fighting for your life in the military but there are sports that use these modern sporting rifles these modern day muskets and if you're not in this group you don't understand why does somebody need 30 rounds? Because you want the most ammo that you can get for a competition to shoot. You want it to, to work faster. The bad part is so many of us have fallen prey to the malarkey, the shenanigans, the lies from the media. Bad guys still don't use assault weapons. Even 
the killer in Connecticut. He had a Bushmaster in the car, but he didn't use it. Folks lost their mind and almost closed down the sale of the company. They probably already did. Some shops have stopped selling these modern sporting rifles because they're the evil black rifle. Overkill. Hype. Don't fall for it. Don't sell out. I just got into shooting skeet and trap. Thought I was doing something. Now, with the um, growth of the three gun matches where you shoot rifle, shotgun, and pistol, I want an AR style rifle now. I picked the wrong time to want one because now with the band look like it's about to coming without the without the conf- with the confiscation look like it's about to come, that price just went up three times. I am a little slow like that. But I'm still gonna get training for the competition. Why, man? Why are you gonna do that? Shooting sports. Let me tell you about the shooting sports. Everybody can't run a marathon. I actually hate running. Everybody can't shoot like Kobe Bryant. Not a lot of LeBron Jameses on my block. Everybody can't run and do like the Williams sisters in tennis. But with mental discipline and practice, with personal stuff that you can walk on your own, regardless of your height, your gender, you can be an expert marksman. That's what the appeal is. So if you don't understand that, you got issues. And it's okay to not agree with me. It's okay not to be a gun owner. But don't tread on my stuff. Okay? About two years ago, I met a beautiful woman named Jennifer. I'm taking this directly from her blog. In Jennifer'sHead.com. Her and her husband make some really cool holsters. She writes, No one wants to feel powerless, helpless, hopeless. We are all so horrified by the events in Connecticut that we are devouring information and trying to answer the question of why. We can't, or we just can't accept that we just don't know. We don't know why the shooter succumbed to the darkness why he targeted innocent children. All we know is that he did, and it hurts. It shakes us to our very core. We don't want to acknowledge that the darkness lurks in everyone. We want to push it on some outside force. He can't be like us. Surely my darkness could never ever look like that. It must be the video games, the mental health issues, the loneliness, the gun, right? Please let it be something definable, something we can tie to the stake in a funeral pyre. Anything other than the evil that lurks in the hearts of men, no. Something must be done. We must have the culprit at which to direct our pain, our confusion, our sorrow, our rage. For the children. Guns are the easy scapegoat for the simple-minded. Never mind the fact that not one single gun restriction has ever reduced violence. Never mind the fact that as a gun that as gun ownership has increased, violent crime has decreased. Yes, I know. Correlation does not equal causation, but causation requires correlation. Therefore, the claim that more guns cause more crime is demonstrably false. But history, logic, and facts have no place in an emotional argument. We must do something. It doesn't really matter whether or not it's a right something. It doesn't matter whether or not the something saves a single life. It doesn't even matter if we've tried it before only to fail. But it must be done. And it must be done now. Now. So we can stop staring into the evil. The something must distract us from the darkness. The darkness hurts. It's frightening. But something feels better, warmer, brighter. And it continues to leave our children defenseless, not just our children, but us as well. 
I've never committed an act of violence, and yet something would confiscate much of my property and leave me with only harsh words to fend off the rapist twice my size that is overwhelmed by his darkness. I'm a well-trained vocalist with a lot of voice, but I'd rather have a proven equalizer for that battle. I reject the something, even if it means I must stare into the darkness with no security blanket. I accept the fact that human beings are capable of unspeakable evil and that we must each choose for ourselves whether or not we embrace our own darkness. I acknowledge that most choose to keep their demons at bay. For those that do not, we need more than harsh words, empty platitudes, and regulations to protect ourselves and those we care about. My gun is no security blanket. It is not a talisman warding off evil. It is a tool. It is a tool with the best track record for putting an end to the evil actions of others. I don't want to feel like your children and mine are safe. I want them to be safe. Thank you, Jennifer. I felt your words from here, and I had to share them with the rest of the world. In Jennifer's Head.com. There are unreasonable gun laws. You know, there ought to be a law. And there is, actually. You know, you must be 18 years old to purchase a long gun. That means a rifle or a shotgun. And be 21 years old to purchase a handgun. You must be 18 to purchase a rifle or shotgun ammunition and be 21 to purchase handgun ammunition. It is illegal for certain categories of people to ship, transport, receive, or possess firearms. And that category includes any person under indictment for or convicted of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding one year. It's illegal for a person who is a fugitive, who is unlawful user or addicted to a controlled substance. It's illegal for an alien to do so. It's a person who has been dishonorably discharged from the military cannot. A person who is subject to a restraining order from harassing, stalking, or threatening an intimate partner or child cannot. Yeah, we already got the law. You can't if you've been adjudicated mentally defective or been committed to any mental institution. Here's the part that's really bad on that one is I know a lady in my church right now who has a son who's gone. Something's wrong with him. And she said he's setting fires out in the neighborhood and out in the front yard. And they're afraid of him sometimes. And she has to she called the cops to take him away. Okay, that's that's their thing. Right. But see, it's our thing, too. Because when you take them to the hospital, take them to the doctor, the doctors, the hospital, the medical people can't keep that person because we have laws protecting the mentally ill. And the laws say, unless that person poses a risk to you or to himself, we can't keep them. So until they kill you, until they try to kill you, they're loose. And you can't own a gun if you're if you renounce your citizenship in the United States. There's already a law, mail order sales and other transfers of firearms between individuals in different states is illegal. It's illegal to have, ship, or receive a firearm that has its permanent serial number missing or changed. It's illegal to purchase a firearm with the intent to sell it to an unqualified third party. That's called straw man purchases. I've been in a couple of gun shops when people have actually tried that and watched the owners deal with it. I've seen it. I've I've given them my own blessings. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to hide here in the corner and see how they deal with this because nobody's really here. Nobody really sees. I'm proud to say I've seen more than one a case when somebody's been turned away nicely. When I would have done worse. A federal firearms licensee must make an official record of every sale or transfer of all firearms and notify the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives if multiple firearm sales are made to any purchase or to any person in a single transaction. It's illegal to manufacture or sell ammunition specifically designed to defeat body armor. 
Theft of a firearm from a federally licensed dealer is punishable by imprisonment for up to 10 years and a fine of 250000 And that's coming straight from 18 U.S.C. Code 922, paragraph U. Can I get you some facts? Like, accidental firearm-related fatalities are at their lowest point since record-keeping began in 1903. I know we got some crazy stuff going on and they're still down. Today, the annual number of firearm related accidents is down 70, 70 percent from a high of 300 or 3,200 in 1930 to 730 in 2005. That's coming from the National Safety Council Injury Facts Report 2007 edition. Believe it or not, hunting is one of the safest forms of recreation in America. In a recent 10-year period, the number of fatal accidents declined by more than half, like 53%, from 91 in 1995 to 42 reported in 2005. In the same time period, non-fatal accidents declined by 60% from 957 incidents to 392 incidents. That's coming from the International Hunter Education Association, the Hunting Incident Summary. One thing about gun-related stuff, whenever you see a source or you read a source from a gun company, from the gun industry, from a gun control, from a gun rights advocate, you can take it to the bank. Unlike the other side who just wants to ban and confiscate your stuff, who make up facts that sound real scary, they're not backed by anything. Knowing what we're up against, check the facts out for yourself. See where the source comes from. Don't just quote it. Don't just parrot it. The firearms and ammunition industries and associated groups have distributed tens of millions of safety brochures over the past 15 years. Groups like Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute, or SAMI, can testify to that. Hunter education programs now involve more than 54,000 instructors and over 600,000 students annually in all 50 states. Over 24 million have graduated since hunter education became a mandatory requirement to get a hunting license. Individually, there were more accidental fatalities due to cars, falling, drowning, fires, burns, ingestion of food and or objects, and the poisoning of stuff other than firearms in 2005. Let's talk money. The nation's hunters and recreational shooters spend $24.7 billion annually on equipment, including firearms, ammunition, clothing, reloading equipment, optics, and accessories. Hunting and shooting-related industries employ more people than all Sears stores. More than 31.7 million Americans participated in at least one of the shooting sports in 2006. That's over 6.2 times the number of people who played racquetball during the same period, five times as many as water skied and nearly 7 million more than those who played golf. There are an estimated 230 million firearms in America today, according to BATFE. That BATFE estimates that one of every two homes contains at least one firearm. The firearms and ammunition industry supports an 11% excise tax on all rifles, shotguns, and ammunition, and a 10% excise tax on handguns, which raises more than $163 million annually for wildlife management, habitat acquisition, and safety training. Since 1937, $4 billion has been raised. Don't believe me? Check out the source. From SAAMI, the Excess uh, Excise Tax Study, and the ATF Firearms and Ammunition Excise Tax Collection Data. Guns, comedy, inspiration, entertainment, education, Americana. The Urban Shooter Podcast with Pastor Ken Blanchard. Follow him on Twitter at K E N N B L A N C H A R D. Hey, you know, like 150 years ago, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, this document 
did not automatically free all the slaves, but it did put a big dent in a lot of people's head because they got pretty upset at trying to change things from economics to slavery front and center. Slavery wasn't the only reason North and the South were fighting. But just put it up front and center. It was really important for the Africans that had been enslaved since the 1600s in the colonies who had been stolen from Africa, who had been abused, killed, kidnapped, and seen some atrocities that only mankind can do to one another. Well, on January 1, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was read, freeing all the slaves that were, well, not all the slaves were free, just, um, just some under rebel control. Texas was still a little behind. It took a while before the news got there. We didn't have CNN and Twitter and all that good stuff like we do now. So news took a, took a while. Folks didn't really want the news to get out. But the people who did know celebrated it. The 4th of July is Independence Day for America. January, January 1 was Independence Day for the African. In a tradition that has long been forgotten, Watch Night, December 31st, a lot of churches around the country have a service where they watch for the stroke of midnight. The origin of this was when the morning comes, we'll be free. Didn't he know what freedom looked like? Didn't even know what it was going to be, but it had to be better than slavery. My grandmother used to take her shotgun every New Year's Eve night. Get up, put a robe on, make sure her shotgun was loaded, but it was. She'd slide out to the back porch, open the screen door. When the clock struck 12, she would fire off around and holler Happy New Year. By the second shot, there was always a crackling of tree branches falling and we would be besides ourselves falling over. We were already in the bed, but we'd be laughing to our sides hurt. Somebody would say, grandma's going to kill somebody someday or she probably shot a cat out of the tree or there was a ton of jokes for all the kids that had stayed over. But the tradition is twofold for me. New Year's Eve, celebrating a new year emancipation of my people and the freedom to own a firearm. January 1. Only free people own guns, you know. Slaves cannot. All right, don't forget about my meager attempts to raise some money for Blanchard Chapel, trying to raise money to buy some land in a, a brick-and-mortar place so when you come to the nation's capital... You can come on down Pennsylvania Avenue and find me on the outskirts about 10 miles outside of D.C. In a special place. Trying to raise money for it. So look for the um, website link on blackmanwithagun.com. You'll also find it on the unnamedchurch.org. And if you got a few shekels, a few dollars to help a brother out. I need a lot, like close to 300000 for the property, but we're starting off small, just trying to get 5000 and get the seed money to get this thing going. Thank you in advance. Next up, Todd Jarrett. Had a chance to meet the guy. He's a professional shooter, works with Black Hawk, and he's sponsored by a whole bunch of big names. And he's a pretty cool guy also, not too far from where my grandmother's house was down in Virginia. So, listen to my homeboy on how to travel with firearms. So, when it comes to rifles, shotguns, and handguns when traveling with them, 
Of course, rifles and shotguns need to be in their own manufactured case before the airlines will allow you to have them. But you can travel with an AR type if you separate the gun. So if you take the pins out and let the upper kit itself be in one kit and then take the lower itself and separate that and put in a small discrete case, you can put it in your hard luggage and you can ship it out through that way. Okay, so you just tell them, you tell the airlines, I have a disassembled gun that I'm traveling with. Okay, I'm going to a hunt, I'm going to a school, okay, I'm going to a law enforcement conference, I'm going to some... A lot of people in the industry, a lot of times, who already have, um, you know, uh, a ability to be able to travel a bunch all the time with guns in their travel thing. So if somebody asks me, where are you going with all these guns? I'm going like, I'm going to a law enforcement conference. And that usually kind of settles that. I'm not lying because most time I am traveling to some time. I might be going to a dealer or a distributor or something like that. But I'm not here to lie to them. But a lot of times if I'm out there actively flying a lot, and it, it depends on the person behind the counter. You have to really, you, you need to have a good vibes between that person. If you don't, then you're going to get yourself in, you know, in a world of hurt if you don't ask for that whole thing. Sure. So um, if I'm, when I go to the counter, and most of the time, I travel with handguns. So what I'll do is I'll take the handgun and I'll have it in a hard case um, luggage, and I will have it in a either uh, a case that holds two two handguns or maybe four handguns. And then sometimes I got a Pelican case, a storm. Ca I use storm cases all the time, and they have um, basically inserts I can put guns in. So. When I was working for Para, uh, it would be nothing sometimes to travel with 10, 15, 20 guns at a time, and I would have them all spaced in that one container and have them locked up. When I get to the counter, I go like, hey, how you doing? Here's my ID. Here's my itinerary. I am going to San Diego by way of Chicago um, from Richmond. And I go like, oh, okay. Yeah, and by the way, here's my ID. And why I need a firearms decoration. So... Uh, he'll say, you got firearms, and instantly, you know, they're, they're over there panicking already because, you know, they haven't seen a firearm in a month, you know. Um, so, yeah, take take that and just, just be nice to them. You know, the best thing about any airlines, whether you got weather-related issues or anything or guns, just be nice to them. I mean, i found that works always the best all the time. So then they'll come over and they'll say, well, I need to look at the guns, okay? Well, I like to be able to go to the counter and go like, hey, I got a bunch of guns here. Do you want me to take them all out? They're all unloaded. I've been in the gun industry for years. You know, let me show you how I got them cased in here and they're all locked up. You know, and they'll go like, are they loaded? And you'll go like, no, there's no ammunition, you know, in the in the magazines, not the clips. We're dealing with pistols here. And, and, and there's no ammunition uh, or, or in their loaded chambers. So a lot of times they'll ask you to check them all out. And a lot of times you're just dumb to the world. They don't know guns at all, so they'll go like, you can show them the bottom of a bottom of a frame of a Glock, and you can have one chamber, and they will go like, okay, it's unloaded. You know, they're they're really uneducated about them. So, hopefully, you have already cleared the guns yourself prior to traveling with them, because we don't make sure that anybody's doing anything really stupid. And then they'll then you go to the counter. Here's what you need to look for: Is TSA's X-ray machines on the floor, or are they out off the floor? So if you look around, you walk in there, if the x-ray machines they have there are on the floor visible that you take your luggage over to and go through, then all you can do is say, they're going to tell you to direct you what TSA um, line to go to, and you go over there, and when the TSA guy comes up here, you go like, hey, if firearms in here, I've already declared them. They're going to ask you that right off the bat. So he'll say, hey, here's a, the lock's already on it. i got the keys right here. I'll be glad to let you open it up in, in, um, when it comes out the other end. If it's in the hole, what you need to do is that you go to the counter and go like, well, I don't see a TSA, um, you know, X scanner up here. Um, are they down in the hole? And say, yes. Well, I have firearms. I like to have a bag check. You can ask for a bag check from TSA and have an officer travel up here to your bags and physically open up your bag and bag check it and lock it and he'll sign off on it and get on the radio and call down the headquarters downstairs and say, hey, I got a bag that's already coming through, it's already cleared on my end, it's got guns in it. So you need to ask for that. Anytime you have an issue with a bag that you want, you have expensive items in it, jewelry, I don't know why anybody would do that, but you want to ask to have a bag check from a TSA agent. That is on the manifest, and I use like to check the manifest on a regular basis to make sure those rules and regulations has not changed. 
know your rules and regulations when you go to the airport. Every airport has a different type of, um, um, you know, rhyme or reasons why they can or cannot take guns, ammo, anything that may be explosive related or anything to do with hunting or, or sporting. So if you go and go on a manifest, what I would tell everybody to do is a couple of days prior to that, print it out, then you'll have it in hand. So if it says it must be in a hard case and it must be locked, it must be double locked, no ammunition can be in the same bag as a gun, some airlines will allow you to have ammunition in the same bag as a gun. Okay? And so when I travel, I usually print off that manifest, and if I have an issue, I will go like, here, it was on your website, it says that I can have it. Then you get into a problem with a supervisor says, nope, I'm not having that. Well, you can tell them, so, well, sir, the manifest says I am, I am able to be able to travel with guns, with, with ammunition, as long as the gun is locked up, I have a hard case luggage, I've done what I what I've you know you've asked me to do, and but then if they get you give you a hard time, then you can say, can I talk to the station manager? The station manager runs the facility, and his job is to make sure you, the customer, are always happy. Okay, so you can come up here and say, sir, look what I have here. They say I can't take these because I've already flown to Denver. I've already flown somewhere. I'm trying to get back home. I flew there with it. I want. I should be able to fly back home with the same luggage. So there are some there are some stipulations in in how things you know will go from one airport to the next airport, and it's nationwide problem across the board. So dealing with long guns. When you go to the counter, they'll ask you, um, you know, we're, you know, what are you doing? Is it hunting guns? Yeah. And most time, I will just tell them they're hunting guns. If it's a rifle, a tactical rifle, or a tactical shotgun in there, I may be going to shoot a three-gun match. I may be going out to shoot prayer dogs with my, with my, with my AR. I'm always telling them I'm going on a hunting trip. Okay, and it just makes things a lot easier when you're telling them, I'm, um, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, this or a tactical this. I'm going to just tell them you're going on a hunting trip. Okay, it just makes life a lot easier. Okay, you know they they'll look at you different and they'll feel feel more comfortable with you. I mean, if you walk in there and you got you know all this tactical gear on, you're coming to the airport, you're just asking for trouble. You know, the key thing is make yourself a low key. You're a hunter. You're a sportsman. You're going to a shooting competition. You know, or you're going hunting. You know, so not that I'm trying to in any way say that. You know, I love my game. I love law enforcement and military. You know, these these are these are my friends, and I do work with them. But you know, a lot of times it's just easy to get through the system. Sometimes if you just say, you know, I'm going to gunsight to take a tactical three gun course. Okay, and they'll go like, a tactical? Oh my God! You know, so it's just easy to say, I'm going hunting, or I'm going to a shooting competition. You know, so it's just um, you know, try to get through the system as simple as possible. Um, when it comes right down to Dealing with the the number of the rounds of ammo ammunition you can take, it's simpler anymore. Instead of taking ammo, just go box it all up. Go to UPS and say, I have 300 rounds of ammunition in here. Can you please put the sticker on there for me for shipping ammunition and ship it to where you're going at? Then you don't have to worry about weight because it's going to cost you. You know, if your bag's over 50 pounds, it's going to cost you 25 dollars, 50 dollars anymore. You know your ammo is on the way. Make sure you send it ground, and you do it days in advance before traveling. And which I do, like, I ship stuff last week that's going to be going down to Charlotte for next week, okay? And I shipped it the week before to go because I was in St. Louis last week. So I'm always ahead of time. I'm always shipping stuff in a week and a half in advance, ship it right to the hotel. I put it on the, on the ticket to make sure that it's, you know, please hold for gas. Todd Jarrett will arrive at this date, okay? So when they get there, usually I will check UPS and see how the status of it's working. And if there's an issue, then I'm going like, hey, it's lost or something's wrong. Then I'm going like, Man, I got loads more ammo, and I'm going to take some with me. Now, now, what do I do? Because they've lost the ammo. So, uh, when it comes right down to, you're allowed to carry five kilos of of ammunition on the plane, which is by um, which is um, yeah, eleven pounds. Yeah, you know, five pounds. Um, five pounds and eleven pounds. Eleven pounds. Yeah, eleven pounds. Because it's three hundred and twenty-six rounds of um of thirty-eight super with a hundred twenty-four grain bullet. Um, it's 285 rounds with a 180 grain bullet. It's 196 rounds with 230 grain bullet. I know all the weights, but just by physically over the years traveling with them. So a lot of times we go to match and we're going like, you know, that's not enough ammunition for me. So 
episode. I have cheated before, and they go, you have less than five kilos. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's less than five kilos, of course. So a lot of times they don't weigh it. They don't physically take it out of the box and weigh it. Over all the years I've been traveling, no no representative from airlines is ever taken the ammo out and put it on the scales and said it's over. Now, they have taken out so because they, they said they refused to carry it on the plane because it's ammunition. Okay, so make sure you take all your bullets out of the magazines. They need to be in the original manufacturer boxes. Even if you hand load the ammo, go get you some old federal boxes that are hanging around. Go buy an indoor range or go buy local law enforcement. And it says, I'm traveling to a class. You guys have any extra boxes I can have instead of going down buying $30 worth of box ammo to get the you know, paper box out of it you know, and put it in there. And then what I'll do is I'll take that ammo and I will put it in a small uh, compressed cooler, a little small hard case cooler. I stick them down there and I wrap it up. So it gives it a little bit more protection. So when the airlines go like, you just don't want loose ammo in there, you don't want loose boxes. You, If you got them all contained, they kind of see that you're prepared and it's all in one little place because it says to be in a soft case or it should be in, in some type of um, um, shipping box, okay? Well, ammunition, they'll tell you that it has to be in, in shipping containers. And I have taken ammo cans, you know, regular green ammo cans from the U.S. government, and put them in there and stick them in there. Well, of course, now the weight, is, I'm overweight, so it's kind of like I, I don't have to deal with that. So no matter what, I always get the original manufacturer boxes. You can put 9mm or 38 supers in a 9mm box, or you can put 40s in a... You know, in another box, and even though it says nine millimeter outside, they never look to see if the, that corresponding round goes with the number on the box. As long as that has that DOD st- or the, um, that DOT stamp on the box, that's saying it's good for transporting them. Never transport primers. Okay, primers are explosive device, and if you can shoot one of them off, you can imagine what five thousand may go off. So I advise no one ever to use primers. Um, put them in your suitcase because. That you can get yourself in some big trouble. You can actually blow a plane up with that. So I mean, it's, a, it's highly explosive. Shipping site black with people or or trying to ship cleaning supplies um, with your guns and liquid solvents and stuff. I don't even recommend that. A lot of people want to take it with them. Go to Walmart when you get there. Go buy your local shop and buy that stuff there. Because only thing they're gonna do, their TSA when they X-ray your bag, they're gonna steal it from you. They're gonna take it out and go like, up. Oh, hazardous stuff, dangerous, explosive, and they're going to chunk it away. You're never going to receive it again. So you can burn up, I mean, I can burn up more uh, time on um, with Sight Black than you can ever imagine. I probably had 25 cans at home. About every three or four times flying, they'll steal it from me. Sometimes they'll slide through there, but some, sometimes I can get away with it. But, um, you know, it's easier now. I just ship it with my ammo. That's what I do. Stick it in a separate container, stick it in there, box it up, make sure it's nice and clean. Stick it in Ships off UPS, there it goes. I don't have any problems at all. How long have you been traveling? I have been traveling for 26 years, um, with flying with guns since 1984. I've been traveling years, and I usually fly about 40 to 50 times a year. I'm on the airplane, and I, in 2008, I spent 211 days in hotel rooms. That tells you how much I travel. So, um, you know, there's another thing, hotel rooms. You know, you got firearms that you're going out to dinner with and you're not locking them up in your vehicle. The best way to get your guns taken away is that when you go to a hotel, you know, you take some of your gear out and you leave some of your gear that's in your back seat. It looks like it's gun-related. Somebody's going to break into it and they're going to steal it, okay? So my advice is taking your hotel room, handguns, long guns, shotguns, it doesn't matter. Make sure you put them in the case and lock them up. And you know what? Try to stick them where you can kind of cover them up. A lot of times I'll stick them behind the bed, put the cover if I'm going to dinner. But if somebody kicks your door in, they will steal your stuff, they're gone. So do you keep it in your vehicle or do you keep it in your room? My advice, I have better luck with keeping their room. Very few, for the for the hundred times I've found people have gotten guns stolen over 25 years, I would say 85% of them have been out of cars. Okay, so don't leave your guns in your vehicle in a hotel. I recommend you always take them in with you. You know, there's another thing too. If you go in a restaurant, you got expensive guns, okay, and you got a nice discreet bag that you can get from Blackhawk. Basically, what you can do, you stick them in there. There's many times I have been working with law enforcement, military, and have you know automatic weapons that I have been working with companies on. We'll we take them right in. What we'll do. 
so nobody never knows it'd be in general we're sitting in some nice restaurant and they're sitting there and they're automatic weapons sit right beside us but nobody just you know, somebody thinks that they're electronic cases or something like that if somebody asks them what they are we're going like hey it's an expensive equipment i'm just not leaving my vehicle you know and law enforcement they do that all the time so those are some of the key points that you know that you need to look out for when, when traveling you know, you're going to run across the agent who's going to have an attitude. You're going to run across a TSA agent who has an attitude or a bad day. The thing to do is a government system. Okay, just get in line. That's why I tell everybody: just get in line. Just, just. And when, if they give you such a hard time, where I've had, I've had them. I've been to the airport, and they'll tell me that case is not getting on the airplane. Well, why not? It's designed for guns. Okay company called Stormcase. That's what they make that for. The U.S. military used for carrying, you know, weapon systems in. That's why I bought it. Have you ever seen a case that good? I mean, I've had them. I've had to call TSA in D.C. in order for, and take a picture of it, in order for them to tell me that I can fly with that bag. You're at the mercy of the airlines and TSA. So if the airline says, nope, we're not taking it, any captain can tell you that, that gun case is not going on my plane. Has that happened? It has has not happened to me, but it's happened to other friends of mine over the years. And uh, you get a you'll get a pilot who doesn't like guns. You know he's anti-gun and going like, nope, guns not going on my aircraft. And he is a captain in the ship, and he can do anything he wants. And that has happened to several of my friends over the years. So carrying knives is another thing. Okay. Also carrying knives. Make sure you carry your knives. Don't make a mistake. And you know if you walk up to the X-ray machine, you walk up to TSA and you reach in your pocket, take out your your clothes and everything. And next thing you know, you feel like, oh my God, I got a knife. I go. Best thing to do, just call an agent. And say, agent, uh, you know TSA, I, I got I got something I forgot. Okay, I have found a knife that is in my pocket that I didn't realize and I'm getting ready to go through x-ray. You know what he's going to do? Give me the knife, okay, and you lost it because you're going to go get on your flight unless you're an hour early and trying to go back and get your bag and put in your bag or go back to your vehicle. Basically, you lost it, so make sure you do your due diligence when you're out, when you get ready to go to the airport. Do I any knives on me? Do I get any loose ammunition on me? Do I have any magazines that I forgot about? Okay, so I'll tell you a story. I'm flying to Vancouver, and I'm going to Canada. This was about 10 years ago. They have the 10-round van rule up there. And uh, I'm sitting up in first class, and um, I'm looking out looking out at the sky, and i just taking a little nap. I'm looking down, and I'm going like, well, we're over top of Montana. That's what the pilot says. And all of a sudden, okay, I remember I have a loaded Glock in my shooting bag that I forgot to unload when I went to the range. Here's my shooting bag. I have all my documentation, all my paperwork and everything. And here I am, an hour away from landing in Vancouver, with a loaded gun in my bag and a high-cap magazine in Canada. Now, I fly in, I land, so I have my proper paperwork to give to um, to customs there. And he said, um, you have any firearms? I'm like, yes, sir, I do. He said, here they are. Here's my paperwork and everything, and I'm sweating it because if they go searching my bag, and they and I had a had a Velcro pack on the side, and I usually stick it in there, and I use it for chronographing uh, one of the local clubs, and I forgot it was in there. I just totally forgot because I got so many damn guns at home. I got guns everywhere. I mean, I, I'm always missing a gun all the time. So I land. I'm going like, what am I going to do? So I get back to the hotel, take the gun apart. So I said, I'll just take the magazine. I'll throw the magazine away. So I stripped the magazine, took all that. I'm going, like, but I don't want to get rid of the frame. So I took the frame off, and I shipped it back to my house. I mailed it back to myself. And I just, just a plastic part. So, I, I mean, it was nothing illegally wrong that I could own the slide and, and barrel. So when I left, I had to slide and barrel and, and stuck my bag, and nobody said a word to me, and off I went because, you know, serial number was on the frame. So when I got back home, you know, uh, the package hadn't even arrived yet because I, I did it by regular mail. And I was going like, it's just regular mail. Nobody will never search yet. Never, never search yet. So three or four days later, here's mail. Here's my Glock bottom in. I'm good to go. So, um, but you know what? People make mistakes, you know, and, and um, my girlfriend was going through uh, LAX here a couple years ago, and it was one round that some good Samaritan had picked up off the ground and stuck in her backpack on her uh, on the range. We go through x-ray, and I'm, I'm going fine. And they go, we need to x-ray your bag again. So she goes back and x-rays again. She goes, do you have any ammunition 
here. She goes, no, I'm looking at her. She's looking at me. I said, baby, did you get all that ammo? She goes, I, checked, I checked it twice. And they go through in the side pouch. Somebody had dropped the round off, trying to be good, because she had probably left one round on the ground and stuck it in there. You would think there was a terrorist, okay, from, you know, Baghdad that just rolled through, you know, LAX. Here come LAPD, SWAT, they come up there, they're in gear, they come walking up there, she come up there, there's like five cops in TSA. You would think that the world had come to an end over one little bitty bullet projectile or 38, 38 TJ, it was a cartridge I developed here a few years ago. And um, so when it was all over and done with, they said, you can, you can you find up to $25,000. So that she got a letter in the mail saying if this offense happens again, that you'll be charged up to $2,500 as a minimum charge for this. So uh, so she was going to the airport about a year later. She passes through there, and her metal detector goes off. She goes, I checked everything 29 times. And um, she didn't get caught with anything. It was just something, something squirrely happened. But if you do go through there, you just tell them, hey, uh, I was at a competition. You know, I just honestly, I forgot. You know, to the best of my knowledge, I know nothing on me that will hurt anybody, you know, or contraband that I'm be taking on the plane. I mean, you got to be able to look at that guy and tell him that, you know what, it's an honest mistake. A friend of mine that worked for Glock years ago, he gets on the aircraft, he walks on, gets on the airplane, opens up his suitcase, he's sitting there and they're boarding the plane, he's getting some stuff out like that, shuts the door down, he looks over the lady beside him, she's going, she's shaking away. What's wrong with her? And he opens up the thing again. He looks. He went. <clears throat> There's a loaded gun in my bag. You know how many times that has happened where people have passed through? Okay, a bunch. Okay, people make mistakes. You know, and basically, you know, he just says, walks up front and says, "Hey, I need to talk to the captain." You know, I got through with a loaded gun. I made a mistake. You know, and uh, most time they'll come up here and say, "Hey, you know, let's work your way back through the system, see if we can catch somebody who basically was falling asleep on the job." You know. But people make mistakes. You know, it's kind of like my lock skin being cut off my bag. You know, what do you do about that? You know, once that bag leaves my, you know, my possession and it goes in the hands of somebody else, you know, we, I, I'm, I am bound by the laws of federal and state and local laws. So if I'm traveling to LAX, LAX says the bag, or, or LA County says the bag must be locked at all times in my possession. So if it's out of my possession and the bag's unlocked, somebody reaches in there and steals a gun out there which is unloaded and used in the commission of a crime, who's hell responsible? Is it I'm responsible? Is it TSA? Is it the airlines? Is it you know local um, you know local authorities? Who's in charge of this? So you end up being being a mess. So you need to understand that if you lock your guns on the inside somehow with a lockable case and you lock them on the outside, you've done everything you possibly can do. To always go over and above what they ask you to do, and then you're always being, you know, being good shape. Now, I didn't intend to buy anything when I checked in the Nova Armament the other day. Nova Armament is located at 795 Center Street, Herndon, Virginia. I was just saying hi to the fellows and saw the Advantage Arms Inc. 22 conversion kit in the showcase, and it caught my eye like it does a magazine in a grocery store. So I asked to check it out, and unfortunately, that's all it took. I had to get it. I bought the thing in hopes that it would fit my Generation 3 Lone Wolf Distributor Timberwolf frame that I got. See, I built a custom Glock 34 from Lone Wolf, but not real happy with it. I mean, it's real pretty. Lone Wolf Distributor is a company that makes custom slides, lowers, compensators, and flash hiders that can change the look of your Glock dramatically. I wanted a 9mm, but I didn't have it, so I accepted the 40 cal Smith & Wesson slide and barrel combination that they had. Now, it looked pretty tight now. The Timberwolf frame is a rounded trigger guard, has a beaver tail, high grip angle, and a couple other features that make it feel pretty good. I ordered a 9mm drop-in barrel later when one was available, but found out that you need a, di a different extractor for it to make it run better. I kept having like jam-o-matic problems with the thing. So somebody, one of you guys actually sent me an email and said, hey, you need a different extractor and then you'll be cool. And then it's also the 40 caliber. 
the ammo is expensive, and I don't think you get the bang for the buck. So I didn't shoot it that much. I put the gun back in the safe. A few months later, I pulled it back out and bought an aluminum magazine well that matched the slide, made it look even tighter, but still wasn't pleasurable. If you're going to shoot 40, shoot 45. The extra recoil is not quite the punch of a 45, but for some reason, the snappiness, just not my thing. So back in the safe it went. I pulled it back out when I thought about adding laser. Because, you know, why not go with new stuff? So I was checking out Viridian. Viridian has this green light, which I thought was pretty cool. And this one had a white light attachment with the green laser. So I thought, all right, let's do both. Viridian sent it to me. Check, I checked it out. I was like, yeah, I'm keeping this. So I had to pay for it and stuck it on this bad boy. And it became my bedside gun for a minute. You know, the light is tight. It fit without a hitch. It was easy to adjust. And even though I'm not a gadget guy, I got this one. This one I like. The green is cool, and you can see it in the daytime, too. Well, now I got this 22 conversion replacement slide and barrel thing. So I pulled it off as soon as I got home. I couldn't wait. Didn't look at the instructions, and it didn't go on too good. I was like, okay, figures. But you know what happened? I actually took the book out, read the instructions, and it was like one big step I didn't do. Had to put the muzzle on a flat surface, and then it locked in place, and it snapped. And it was like, ah, I can see this is going to go pretty good. As soon as it locked in place, the smile on my face almost cut my head in two pieces. It was that big of a smile. Now I got this really cool gun to plink and practice my marksmanship with. It won't cost $50 a box for ammo. Yeah, you can get it at um, AdvantageArms.com. You can check that out. And I got pictures on this week's show notes for episode number 301. How slick this gun is. I'm definitely going to take this um, light laser combo off this thing after I buy a Gen 3 Glock. But for right now, this will do me. All right, that means it's time for me to slide off the dinosaur's tail, and I'm done. Thank you for joining me again this week. If there's anything that I can do for you, just feel free to give me a buzz, give me an email, hit me back on Facebook. I should be back in the area. This is pre-recorded. Yeah, I actually did it uh, a little bit early just so I could get it in, so I could go off the grid for a while and not leave you hanging. And we're over an hour. I hope that's okay with you. Now we can get back to the eggnog, Rob. For sure, man, because I'm ready. Please give me a thumbs up on uh, Stitcher.com, a positive review on iTunes. Check out the links on KenBlanchard.com, also known as BlackManOnTheGun.com. Show me some traffic that you've been there. Leave some breadcrumbs or something. And Happy New Year. Shalom, baby. And uh, let's uh, let's get stoned. Let's go get stoned. Let's go get stoned. Everybody sing along with me. Let's go get stoned. You know my baby She won't let me in I got a few pennies Gonna buy myself a bottle of gin Gonna call my buddy On the telephone and say Let's go get Now listen, you know I work so hard All day long Everything I try to do 
seems to always turn out wrong That's why I'm gonna stop by On my way home and say Let's go get started I'm gonna tell you one more thing There ain't no harm To have a little taste But don't lose your cool And start messing up the man's place Ain't no harm To take a little nip But don't you fall down And bust your lid Let's go get stoned Oh, let's go get stoned I think everybody ought to come and go with me Let's go get stoned Oh Let's go get stoned. Let's go get stoned. Oh, let's go get stoned.